0: Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section.
1: Hey, everybody, and welcome to iFreaks episode number 247. This week on our panel, we
2: have Guy Rambo. Hello from Brazil.
1: I'm Andrew Madsen in Salt Lake City. It's just the two of us, but we have a special guest today. Uh, Will, will you introduce yourself?
3: Hey, guys. My name is Will Bishop. I'm the... Sixteen-year-old developer from
1: Adelaide, Australia. So the first thing that I thought was cool to learn about you is that you're that you're sixteen because uh, I think that's pretty young to be doing the stuff that you're doing, which is really cool. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got into writing iOS apps. So I've been
3: interested in technology my whole life. I I attribute my interest in technology to about when I was three years old and I used to go out for coffee with my mum I might have been four I can't quite remember and my mum's friend had a blackberry phone covered in buttons and when I was three I just wanted to click buttons and you know play with those kind of things and TV remotes and stuff and my friends or my mum's friend let me play with her phone and let me click all the buttons and my mum was just scared that I was going to drop it but ever since then I reckon I've just wanted to click more buttons, I guess, and that's kind of led me down the path of programming and iOS development. And then I really got into iOS development about a year ago when at our school we have a subject called personal project where you can actually come up with your own idea that counts towards your school credits. And I picked making an iOS app for the school which would take your classes and your grades and your homework and put them all Uh, on your phone. And I never actually released that. I don't think I finished it either. But it was just really what got me interested and got me loving making iOS apps.
2: So you were like six years old when the iPhone was introduced. Um, What's your first memory of an iPhone? When did you get into contact with iPhone?
3: I think the first time I saw an iPhone, I was probably, I want to say nine when the iPhone four, I might've been 10 uh, and the iPhone four came out and both my parents upgraded from, I can't remember what they have before some Nokia or something probably. And they got the iPhone four, which was you know amazing to me because I'd never seen anything like it. And I remember just sitting in the back of the car, looking at maps and seeing the little blue dot following our car. It seemed like, and just, from there i've i've never owned an android phone i'm not going to say you know android's bad or anything but i just have never had one and i remember being amazed just by the maps on the very first phone which was probably still google at that point i don't know when they switched over to apple maps that it would have been the google one and um then i think that christmas i got an ipod touch for for christmas yeah and I remember staying up late at night watching TV on my iPod and probably being tired in the morning. But yeah, so my first experience was the iPhone 4 because my parents both got one.
2: That's very interesting. So we got you on the show because um, I read about an app you released on 9to5Mac and the app is called Chirp and it's a Twitter client but it's only for the Apple Watch. And that grabbed my attention because it's not common these days to see people releasing stuff for the Apple Watch and especially exclusively for Apple Watch. So can you tell us a bit about where did you start uh, liking the Apple Watch so much that you wanted to make an app just for the Apple Watch? And and what's your thinking behind that?
3: Right, so... Late last year, I really wanted an Apple Watch. didn't have one. And I was reading articles on Reddit and stuff about these developers pulling their apps like Twitter and Instagram and eBay and all those companies pulling their apps off the Apple Watch. And I thought that was pretty unfortunate. And so about 10 days before I got my watch, I started seeing what it's like to make an app. Because I thought, surely there's some reason why all these developers don't want to do it. It must be a horrible experience. And so it took me longer than I'd like to admit to even get a very basic app working. and Not even an app, just like a table with stuff on it. And after that, I thought, hey, I'd like to make a Reddit app just because I knew Reddit had a really great API for developers. And it was something I wanted to give myself a challenge for. And so I set out to make a Reddit app in it. It started with something like, hey, I wonder if it's possible just to get you know, all the posts and show them on the screen. And then it was show how many upvotes it's got, and then it's view the comments, then post your own comment. And it just kind of snowballed, and I kept coming up with, I wonder if this is possible kind of ideas and implementing them. And so the reason I focused on the Apple Watch as opposed to the iPhone as well was that since these developers were pulling their apps, I thought that it would be a good idea to try and release an app for the Apple Watch because then that would kind of set me apart from everyone else because it'd be a bit bit unique. And, you know, that's definitely paid off. I've an articles now on 9to5Mac, for example, which has been tremendous. Those The 9to5Mac articles, when I look at the analytics, are some of the most helpful articles that have been written about Chirp or Nano. And so, yeah, the main, main reason I focused on both those devices were just the Apple Watch, really was because no one else is really doing it. And I thought that was a shame, especially with the, the 4G watch. I thought it was almost like an untapped market. There was, there was lots you could do. And while, yeah, it's not as great to develop for as iOS, there's not as much you can do, and there's lots of little tricks and workarounds that you have to do to make it look good for the user. I still think it's a viable platform, and it is definitely a shame that those big apps are pulling their apps off the app store.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because these other apps, they are probably removing the Watch app because they don't want to invest the time and resources for maintaining an Apple Watch app because they are already focused on iOS, which is uh, a lot of work, of course. So you just uh, did the opposite. So you focus on Apple Watch and since there are already several iOS apps for both Reddit and Twitter, you can just focus on filling in the gap of the App Watch. That makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I actually think this is kind of a cool place to be, right? If you're trying to go head to head with a big company, you're going to have a hard time as a, an indie developer finding a niche that's just not quite big enough for them to cover, but it's still big enough for you to get a, a passionate user base, I think is the thing to do as an indie. Um, I And... You know, you're. It seems like you're also in a good spot because you're you're 16. I, I I don't know everything about your situation, but I know that when I was 16, I didn't have to worry so much about whether what I was going to do was going to make a lot of money or not. Right? I didn't have a mortgage or a family or anything yet, and so you can be a little more risk taking and experimental.
3: Yeah, um, you're definitely right about the the risk taking part. For me, making an app like Turp or Nano isn't something that has to be successful, or I'm not going to eat tonight. Which is a good position to be in because it means that I can try new things and I can experiment with the app and get feedback without worrying about, you know, a house mortgage, for example. And as far as being an indie developer goes, and as you said, going against these big companies, working with Reddit, I've got to say, has been a lot better than working with Twitter. And I'm not sure if you've heard of the recent uh, API things going on at Twitter where they're disabling a bunch of these things used by third-party clients. And I think it was Twitterific actually released a blog post this morning detailing all the features that they're going to have to remove. One of them was actually their Apple Watch app. So Twitterific is one of the only Apple Watch Twitter apps that lets you see your activity and your all the notifications and followers and all that. Even Chirp even doesn't have that. And I'm I'm looking into it, but I don't think it's actually possible for me to implement as a developer, as opposed to Reddit, where almost everything is available for developers to do. Name uh, one of the only things that you can't do as a developer on Reddit is live chat at the moment, and you know that may be coming in the future, maybe not. But I think Twitter isn't being very friendly to developers, and they're putting. Us in a hard position where we have to take away features, some that we potentially even charged for, like in the case of Twitterific, they were charging for push, not- push notifications, and now they have to take them away. And so it's putting developers in a hard position where they have to tell their users, "We're sorry, but you know there's nothing else we can do about it," which, you know, I don't think is very fair on Twitter's part, and I was wishing that they were a little bit more like Reddit who are just incredibly open.
1: Yeah, I, I read that Twitterific blog post uh, literally right before we started recording this, and I, I'm I'm a Twitterific user, have been for a long time, and I think it's really sad because Twitterific was around on the Mac before the iPhone even came out. They were on the iPhone before the SDK came out when when it was all jailbreak, you know, reverse engineering development. And it's actually Twitterific specifically that came up with all kinds of things that we think are just part of Twitter now. Like I I kind of think the word tweet. Is something mm, yeah. that the developers of Twitterific coined. So I don't know why. I don't exactly understand why Twitter seems to be pretty antagonistic toward third-party developers these days. But it's sad. Well, I think it would come down to
3: to money because ads are not served through those third-party clients. Like when I when I go to Twitter on a user's behalf and ask for you know the most recent fifty tweets, I don't get any ad tweets inserted in there. And so it's really hard for Twitter to profit off those third-party apps because there's no way of showing ads to them. And in the case of Twitterific, I'm pretty sure they actually show ads in their app where they profit off that, but Twitter doesn't at all. So I can see in, I guess, a business sense why Twitter wouldn't be too fond of these third-party clients. But you're right, it's unfortunate. And things like you know, the character counter on Twitter came from Twitter Twitterific and, you know, chirps got that. And I didn't even know that that's where it came from because it just seems like a basic Twitter feature. And so, yeah, I think it would have to come down to money and they're not going to say that they're going to say that they need to focus on something else. And that's what they did when they pulled the Apple watch app. I believe they said they wanted to focus on or was it notifications, or something about the iOS, something specific about the iOS app, and that was why they couldn't do the Apple Watch one.
2: They want so, to unify the experience. Right,
3: okay. And yeah. that's that's almost um, a little bit Apple's fault as well, because when you're developing for the iPhone, you're using a thing called UIKit, and UIKit is very, uh, I can't think of the word for it, but it gives you a lot of freedom to create new features, things like pull to refresh. They're you know, very basic features in all the apps you use, but they came from a third-party developer thinking of that idea. Whereas on WatchKit, the thing you used to develop for the Apple Watch, it's nowhere near as free as UIKit, and having those experimental ideas and things aren't really possible. And so when Twitter say they want to unify the experience, I totally understand that. So Chirp has sort of a pull to refresh, but not really. All you have to do is tap the top of the screen just about with the while scrolling, and it'll refresh your content, which isn't ideal at all, but it's the only option I have. And say something like endless scrolling as well. All you have to do in Chirp is scroll down to the very bottom and then and then it will start loading. Whereas if you use other apps, you never reach the bottom because it can tell that you're close to the bottom and it'll start loading new stuff. But with WatchKit, I have no idea what post you're looking at at any given time. I, I cannot know. And so I can actually see when Twitter say they want to unify the experience, it's very limiting on the watch and it's hard to make things look the same and act the same.
2: Yeah, and it's unfair because Apple, they use UIKit for their Apple Watch apps. So they have access to it, but we as developers don't. And uh, like you can't give the same experience as first-party apps. And Apple has this problem that when they don't dog food their own technology, so when they release something just for third-party developers the results are usually not very good and it, it it only gets better when Apple starts using the features for their apps. So if WatchKit is an API that Apple themselves are not using, it's never going to be very good.
3: Yeah. And um, in WatchOS 5, they're adding WebKit for mail and messages and... That's actually been quite annoying as a as a developer of Nano and, and even Chirp. I've seen articles and stuff saying, oh, you can't click on links, but you will be able to or you should be able to in WatchOS 5. But Apple isn't opening that up to developers. There's no way for me to load a website the same way as you'd see it in the Mail app or the Messages app. And there are people that don't use the Mail app. They might use a third-party client like Edison or Spark. And they're not going to be able to have those features and they're not going to be able to be on par with the first party apps. And I don't really think that's fair from Apple. And I think Apple should really try to use WatchKit just for a day and then they'll see that it's really limiting. In fact, someone told me that the Mail app on the iPhone has pulled to refresh. And I wanted to try and set that up. And I've had the Mail app on my iPhone and on my watch now for about a week but it still doesn't work. And when I open it up on my watch, it still just says waiting for messages or no mail account, which is annoying. But yeah, I reckon Apple's got to try WatchKit and then once they fix it, hopefully those companies will start coming back because you'll start being able to make those really great apps again.
2: So what's the business model for your apps? Uh, You don't need one (laughs) because, uh, as we said before, you're not trying to... uh, like. Uh, earn a living from your apps, but uh, I think you do have a business model, right?
1: Yes,
3: um, I suppose you could call it that. I had never really thought of it as being a business model as such, but both my apps are free, so you can download them, you can log in, you can use them for free. And then there are some features that require an upgrade, say in the case of Chirp, you can have five of your subscriptions. And then if you upgrade, you can have all of them. Or with, uh, so, so did I say Nano or Chirp? Well, in the case of Nano, you have five subscriptions. In the case of Chirp, you have, say, direct messages or search, for example, are Pro features. And the way Pro works is some people seem to think it's a subscription thing because I see a lot of apps now are going to subscriptions because it's not viable to sell an app once and then update it for years and years and years and not get any more money. And subscriptions are really the only way that developers can do this for a living. But since I'm not in the need of that kind of living, I have a one-time pay-what-you-want sort of uh, business model. And so there's three different tiers, and it doesn't matter which one you buy, you're going to get all the features. And the reason I chose that is because I didn't want to charge... Monthly for this kind of thing. I think that's ridiculous. And I think it's unfortunate that a lot of apps are going down that route, even though they do have to. And so, with Pay What You Want, it means that you can use the app for a week and decide, hey, this is actually a good app. I really like this and I want these new features. And say you could buy the middle tier. And that's an optional way of supporting me just that little bit more. I've also got a tipping jar and I haven't gotten that many tips just yet. But That has been something that was, strangely enough, requested. I hadn't even considered it until someone asked for it. And then I went through hell with Apple's review process, trying to get them approved. And it took about a week and a half, I think, with an app actually live on the App Store, with just no prices displayed at all, which was uh, quite frustrating. But yeah, My business model is just pay what you want, one time, no no hassles or anything like that.
2: I just sent you a tip, and the confetti animation is really nice.
3: <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, the confetti animation wasn't done by me as much as I'd like to say it was. If you go to the special thanks in the app, I believe it'll say who's done it. And I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but it was... Ooh, I'm going to have a hard time pronouncing this. It's like Deep. Agarwal, or I don't know. If you want to put it in your own app, if any developers listen to this, it's called S A Confetti View, and yeah, right. it's it's fun. And I'm gonna probably put that in all my apps just because it's it's just a little bit of fun.
2: Yeah, it's and, silly, uh, but it, it does make you feel kind of good when there's a, something that happens after you purchase, especially since yeah, I you don't have an immediate effect in the iOS app itself, given that it's an Apple Watch app.
3: Exactly. So I needed some kind of confirmation to the user that it had worked. And since I don't unlock any features in the iOS app, that confetti is kind of the way of showing that. Like It's like a thank you. It's a celebration. And it's just you know just a bit of fun. I'm not trying to take this too seriously. So confetti <laughs> is always good.
2: So you mentioned some trouble with app review and... I, I was curious, did you have any trouble because your iOS app is basically just a, a settings and about screen for the, the Apple Watch app or was it something else?
3: You know, honestly, I actually thought I would. I thought that since really the only thing on there is settings, that Apple wouldn't like it. But I'm yet to have a rejection for Chert. The very first version I submitted got approved. And then I released that, and then I, I found some embarrassing bugs, some typos, and stuff. And so I didn't start promoting Chirp until 1.0.1 1 had been released. So App Review for Chirp has been has been fine. I've had no issues. But the problem was with Nano. So the first three versions that I submitted of Nano got rejected for you know valid reasons. There were bugs that Apple found, and they couldn't sign up and stuff like that. And so that's totally understandable. but what I what what I had a really hard time with was the tipping jar in nano. So when Nano launched, there was no tipping jar and so those in-app purchases didn't exist. and so I created a new six like six in-app purchases that were all called tip one, tip two, tip three blah, and like all that and I submitted them to Apple before I'd updated the app to support them. And Apple rejected them, saying, it looks like it's a change in business model. Please upload a new version of your app so that we can, you know, make sure everything checks out. And that's, you know, I totally understood that. So I uploaded a new version of my app, submitted that for review, and the app got approved. So I hit release. And then it was about half an hour later that I remember that those in-app purchases got rejected. And I thought, oh, they probably would have been approved since I've submitted a new app version but they weren't. And so now I had a version of my app live on the app store being updated automatically to thousands of people's phones, where if they actually went to the tipping jar, there'd be no buttons, no prices shown at all. Because what I do is so that the price looks right in every region. When you launch the app, it'll download the price of the app in your currency and then display your currency symbol. And since they weren't approved by Apple, No device could see them, and so I submitted a review, uh, an appeal, sorry, to the app review team, saying, "No, look, this binary is uploaded; it's live on the app store." And so I submitted my in-app purchases again. They got rejected for saying that they wanted to check out whether whether it worked in the app. And so I submitted them again, specifically saying, "Look, that version is live on the app store. You can see it for yourself. It's there." They still said no. So I uploaded a new version of my app. I think it was 1.1.1 or something. And I didn't submit that for review. I just submitted it to... Oh, no, I did submit it to review, but I didn't release it. It was pending developer release. And so then I said to Apple, look, I've uploaded it. Here it is. It's pending. You can check it out. And it got rejected for the same reason, saying that they needed me to upload a new version of my app. And so I had no idea what to do because I was doing everything they'd asked and they were still just repeating themselves. I ended up submitting an appeal again to Apple explaining that you know I'd been rejected 3 or 4 times now and I don't know what I'm, what else I'm supposed to do. And then maybe 2 hours later, I got an email from Apple saying they'd approved it. No actual reply, just a automated thing saying, "Yep, okay, we've approved your stuff now." Yeah. So took about a week and a half of having a buggy version live on the app store and there was nothing that I could do about it. I can't roll back an update. So that was, you know, not, not a good experience. But, yeah.
2: And me. Talking to App review can definitely feel like talking to a brick wall sometimes.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Andrew? Well, this is changing gears a little bit, but is there is there anything that is in WatchOS five that you're excited about? You talked about how WebKit is not really what I think lots of people think it is. Um, I know they also added some new audio stuff. I'm not sure how relevant that is to what you're doing, but is there anything cool there? I haven't really dug deep into it.
3: Um, for as far as Nano and Chirp are concerned, probably not. I was a little disappointed. Um, I, like because there are so many things in UIKit that aren't in WatchKit that I would have liked. You know, things as simple as Image Zoom. Image Zoom is one of the most requested features in both Nano and Chirp. And I'm happy to say it's probably coming to Chirp quite soon. I've been in contact with a developer who developed the Watch Chat for WhatsApp app. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with that one. And so I've been in contact with him, and Image Zoom is probably happening. But yeah, things like WebKit and background audio aren't really important to my apps at all because Chet's getting an update soon to play Twitter video with audio, and that just plays out the speakers. And if you close the app, it probably quits the audio, but that's what you'd want. So, yeah, unfortunately for me, WatchOS 5, as far as developing goes, doesn't really bring anything that interesting. As far as being a consumer goes, I do like the WebKit and the walkie-talkie looks pretty fun. I'll see if I can mess with my friends in class with that one. Yeah, unfortunately no nothing too interesting for me
2: in Watch West Five. Just don't use it to cheat on exams.
3: Oh no, we're not even like we have to take our watch off and put it uh at the front of the class. Yesterday I had my final exam and when you walk in, they're checking your pencil case, you have to take your phone out, your watch off and turn everything off. So I won't be cheating in the exam with with my watch anytime soon.
2: Yeah, we didn't have all of that technology when I was in school, so <laughs> I don't know how that works these days.
3: <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty on top of it. They don't let you cheat. They don't let you do anything. Because if you get caught, the penalty is you get a zero, and a zero is always going to be worse than getting, say, only 10%.
1: At least that's something. <laughs> yeah. I had a question on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> do you think Apple will ever do UI kit? or open up UI kit on the watch to to other people? Um,
3: I don't think they'll call it UIKit. I think it's certainly possible that they'll port a lot more features to, to the watch and watch kit, but them calling it UI kit, I think is not likely. I know they're bridging at least a little bit Mac and iPhone apps, but, Bridging them all with the watch wouldn't make a lot of sense just because the screen size of the watch. But no, I don't, I don't think they will bring UIKit to the watch. I'm just hoping that they slowly or even swiftly bring over some new features like image zoom, for example, and pull to refresh are the ones I really want at the moment.
2: Also, maybe the ability for you, for you to query the state of the UI because currently you basically can't do that. You can only set stuff?
3: Yeah, that's, that's being tricky as well. So if there's like a label on the screen, I can set the text to whatever I want, but I can't get it again. I have to set it. It's really a set it and forget it almost. You know, obviously there's workarounds. I can just copy what I would set to it and save it somewhere else. But I think it is really weird that you can't get the text or I something. You can't even create a button programmatically you have to drag and drop onto the interface and then do it that way which is tricky for something like chirp where some tweets have images some tweets have quotes some tweets are retweets and there's all these different types and i can't create what a tweet looks like programmatically i kind of have to include everything and just hide them on the fly and you know It seems like a hacky solution. It works as far as, you know, looking at it goes and it looks nice, but it's just annoying that it has to be done.
2: So do you have like one row controller type for each tweet type or do you use just one and then toggle stuff?
3: Well, I was going to go with a different type for each one. Then I realized that there's simply too many types because if you think about it and they and not only are there too many types but they all share some similarities like they all have retweet buttons on them they all have a retweet count on them but some tweets are in reply to other tweets some are retweets some are images some are quotes and having different row controls for every different one would just really bloat the size of my app and so what i do is i have a class called my tweet cell and then when i want to assign a tweet to something on the screen I can just say row.tweet equals and then the tweet and then that will hide everything that it has to and show everything else that it has to programmatically and that's the way I can achieve the UI that I do. Doing different row controllers probably would be a good idea but it would be a little bit bloated and so I'm not doing that at the moment but I'm not ruling it out.
2: Yeah if you could maybe build the UI in code and use that uh, would make it easier to have multiple types but doing everything using outlets and stuff gets can get pretty duplicated very quickly
3: yeah and not only that but outlets are very prone to causing your app to crash Mm -hmm. so they can very quickly if something if you accidentally change the name of one if you accidentally delete one but not the actual line your app just crashes on launch and your, your error code that you get is not very helpful. It's something like unrecognized selector sent to instance. And I see posts on Stack Overflow and on Reddit all the time of people having these problems. And, yeah, so storyboards, I use them for like 99% of my app's user interface. But I do wish it wasn't so prone to causing issues.
2: So, because of your comment about Unrecognized Selector, I assume you are writing everything in Swift? Yes, yes, <laughs> I
3: do write in Swift. I, um, I've given Objective-C a little shot. I tried to write some tweaks with it for jailbroken iPhones probably about a year ago. And it, it's just nowhere near as nice as as Swift. Swift is just really nice to write in. and. It's readable, whereas Objective C just has brackets all over the place, and don't really
1: like it.
2: Now, Andrew's just going to I'm get just going to see.
1: No, <laughs> uh, no, I, 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 I think if I were learning, you know, today or a year ago, I would probably have the same opinion of Objective C.
2: Yeah, definitely.
3: Yeah, so. When you're starting today, you have more options. You know, a couple of years ago, you had to use Objective-C. And so it's probably easy to use Objective-C and learn and get good at it. And then maybe think that you don't like Swift because you don't like that it doesn't have brackets all over the place, for example. (laughs) So, you know, you you do have a bit of bias, but, you know, I I definitely prefer Swift. I think it's quite easy and beginner-friendly while also having those things there that can be challenging for more experienced developers so it doesn't have a steep learning curve which i think objective c has and so it's good for beginners to just jump in and start building uh, you know instead of worrying about syntax and worrying about all that stuff when it's pretty straightforward
2: yeah that makes sense so you're very young and you're we can basically say you're a successful apple watch developer Uh, because you've been featured on websites and uh, I think your app is is getting a lot of views. I'm certainly using it. So what tip you can give to other young aspiring developers out there? Do you have any suggestions as to Um, how to approach projects?
3: Yes. The first thing I would say is get your tax file number and Australian business number before you pay one hundred and fifty dollars to register as a developer, <laughs> I um, I signed up, and then the day I signed up, I went to try and turn on in-app purchases in my app so I could start developing for that, and I realised that they need a whole bunch of credentials that I did not have, and that only took about two weeks to get. So I'd say that's the first thing, and then as far as learning, people often ask me, you know, how do you learn? What books do you recommend? And, I haven't read any books. I haven't done any of that. All I do, and it's the way I learned Python, it's the way I learned Swift, is come up with an idea, something you really want to do, and just start building. So whether that means you know, just creating your Xcode project, if you want to create an app like Instagram, for example, just create that project. And as soon as it opens up and you're looking at your project settings, you're going to be totally thrown in the deep end. But I think that's okay. And I think what a good thing to do would be break down what you want to build into small sections and then you can work on each one. So with the Nano, when I was building that, the first thing I wanted to do was display a table and have the table filled up with just fake data that I used. And so coming from iOS, I knew how to make a table in iOS, but I had no idea how to make it on the watch. And I was reading tutorials and the tutorials were outdated. So you have to throw yourself in the deep end a bit but use websites like Stack Overflow, look up tutorials on YouTube, you can ask people on Reddit. You can, you know, there's a 900-page book that Apple made just about developing apps with Swift and you can get that too. So the only tip I could give to younger developers would be don't be afraid to to try something new. I was honestly quite scared releasing Nano because I made a post asking for beta testers and I got about 50 responses and I thought, you know, well what if that's it? What if those 50 people are the only people that are interested in the app? You know, if you were interested, why wouldn't you have replied? And so I was quite worried about releasing the app, especially one that I was charging for even if it was free to begin with. And so take those risks, throw yourself in the deep end, and I think anyone can be successful
0: that way.
2: Yeah, that's a very good suggestion. Um, When I do stuff, even these days, uh, I started young as well. And I find that if you start with a a goal in mind, so at the end of the day, I want to have a table of tweets and you put your mind to that and you don't stop until you have a table of tweets, no matter how ugly it is. (laughs) So you do yeah, that. You just have to look good. <laughs> yeah, and, and then you, you can build up from there because starting is hard, but once you have something going, making the changes and seeing the results is, is very rewarding. And Yeah,
3: starting is the hardest part.
2: Yeah, and learning, as you mentioned, uh, d- learning by doing is, is the best way. Uh, famously, Brian Miller, the creator of Carrot's app, he he was, I think he was like a, a writer, and he he had this idea and for the the carrot app. So he went looking. Uh, he wanted to hire a programmer for the app, and he started to learn about programming because he wanted to know how to talk to to his programmer. And then he noticed that oh, this is not that hard. Maybe I can do it myself. Sure. And now he's a developer. <laughs>
3: A very successful one at that. Oh I yeah, think. you know I, I read his um his editorial piece on the on the App Store, and I thought that was pretty cool. And I'm seeing a lot of them now, of you know meet this 15 year old developer, meet this 16 year old developer on the App Store, and I'm really hoping that you know one of these days Apple will send me an email asking to do a piece on me. I'm not too hopeful, but um I know in Canada at the moment. I'm featured on the App Store in a section called, you know, Great Apple Watch Apps for the Series the Oh, Great Apps for the Apple Watch Series 3. So, you know, Apple has hand selected my apps before at least somewhat. So they they know of me a little teeny bit. And I would really like to get one of those one of those features because the apps that other people have made, I don't think a Appwatch Watch Twitter app really compares to some of the stuff that I've seen people releasing and some really cool stuff. But, you know, I can, I can hope.
2: Have you submitted in that form they offer? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, you, you can actually there, You can go to appstar.com slash promote and fill in a form there and they're going to have a look at your story and maybe you can get your Today feature. Huh? So you know
3: what? <laughs> I hadn't seen this.
2: There's a a peek for this episode.
3: <laughs> okay, well I'm gonna fill that out then as soon as the um, as soon as we're done recording here. Thanks for that.
2: Awesome.
1: I didn't know about that either. That's cool. <laughs> that
2: is cool. To be fair, I never got featured from that farm. The the times I got featured were from other sources, but they have the farm so might as well give it a shot
3: yeah all right that's actually that's a good idea i don't know if they if they'd go for it a a twitter app and a and a reddit app but maybe
1: i can hope
2: anything else we should cover before picks?
1: i i have a question okay cool what do, you, what, do you, what do you want to see in the series 4 watch Ooh. Uh, series four watch. I want to see probably a
3: bigger screen. Uh, I don't want a redesign. A lot of people I see asking, they want, they want a, uh, a round watch, but I don't think that's a good idea because everyone's got those bands that they've already got and they want to make sure they're compatible. I want to see a bigger screen. I want to see perhaps thinner because it is series three is pretty bulky, thinner, bigger, better battery. You know, the, the usual stuff everyone wants. Even even from an iPhone, they want something that's thinner with a better battery and bigger screen. So I'm not too fussed, really. I, I really like my series three. Faster, but the series three is already is already plenty fast. And I'm not into all the I know they've got an altitude meter now, but I'm not sure what else they could add. Apparently they are looking into doing um or is it something about glucose monitoring or something for diabetics with a non-intrusive? Because at the moment, I think they have to prick their finger and do all that. And I think Apple was working on a non-intrusive way of doing that, though we would have heard more about it if it was coming up this year. But you know, I don't have very many high expectations of Apple because every time I think, oh, gee, I'd really love a dark mode, they don't offer it, or I'd really love pull to refresh, they don't do that either. So just the basic stuff, like bigger screen, better battery, a bit thinner, that stuff.
1: I don't want them. I I think a redesign is fine. I think making the screen round is kind of weird because that that has pretty serious software implications. But but as long as they let me use my bands, I'll be happy. I don't really want to ditch them all. Two, but yeah, you're right.
2: I just made a significant uh, investment in Apple Watch bands, so I'd be pretty sad.
1: Yeah, I've got I've got a number of them. I, I'll be upgrading from a series zero. So Ooh. any any changes will be huge. For me.
3: <laughs> if if they come out with a bigger screen, it'll be really difficult for me not to buy it, even though I have the series three and I totally do not need the upgrade. I'd be I'd be strongly considering it. And I'm strongly considering a uh, iPhone 10, even though I have a 6S. It works perfectly fine. I always think, gee, the iPhone X's got a good camera, but I don't even take pictures anyway. So, you know, I know I probably shouldn't get it, but it's still something I want. And Apple's very good at marketing. Mm-hmm. So, I'll probably make me want to buy the Series 4 anyway.
2: Well, you do surf, right? It's in no? your ex- avatar.
3: You- oh, <laughs> no, that's, um, that is, oh, it's sort of surfing, it's wake surfing.
2: Well, that's you can my... see that I know a lot about sports.
3: <laughs> that's on my uh, GitHub, isn't
2: it? Uh, it's on in Skype as well.
3: Oh, it is too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that is that's that's wake surfing, which is kind of like surfing, except you are behind a boat instead of a you know set up oh, on right. the ocean,
2: yeah.
3: and that wave there is actually created by a boat. So you. The boat goes pretty slow, and so it creates this big wave, and then you can, yeah, you can surf on it. But I've never actually been out surfing to, on, on your, a real wave, but I probably wouldn't be very good
2: at it. Yeah, but uh, anyway, your iPhone uh, 6S is not water-resistant, so an iPhone ten would be a nice upgrade.
1: Mm, stop. You're going to make me want to buy it. i I have a friend who swims with his iphone 10 in his pocket
2: (laughs) i wouldn't have the courage to do that
1: i i don't either i treat mine like it's not resistant but he does it and it's fine
3: i've been for a couple swims with my watch and it's always really really weird to get in the water even you know i turn on the water lock and that which i know is only for the touchscreen but it's just so it feels wrong even if it's IP whatever rated and it's waterproof and you can swim with, swim with it. I don't know. It's just weird because, are, I don't know, are the watches and the phones covered for water damage or are they still like a use-at-your-own-risk kind nope. of thing?
2: Yeah, both of them, You if you damage them with water, it's not Apple's fault.
3: Wow, that's that seems like a bit of a cop-out. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you going to... Oh, for the Apple Watch Series 3... That would have to be covered because they have they use that to like the, the official ad was someone surfing. So
1: surely. I'd, yeah, they get sued for false advertising.
2: But there's a nest yeah. risk. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh
3: gosh, there probably is. That's so annoying. Why can't they just cover them and you know say, Oh look, you got water under your under your phone screen. That's probably our fault, not yours. Uh, even look, you go to the aqua.com/slash watch, it's got four watches there, and they've all got water splashing all over them.
2: <laughs> oh, well.
3: And the films and ads is literally you can't even barely see a person, you can't see a watch. It's a photo inside of a wave in the ocean. Jeez. Okay, hang on. Apple Watch Series 3 has a water, water rating of 50 meters. That means it should be used for shallow water activities like swimming in a pool or an ocean. 50 meters is not shallow. Apple Watch Series 3 should not be used for scuba diving, water skiing, or other activities including involving high-velocity water. So that doesn't sound like they're saying use at your own risk. It just sounds like don't take it at 100 meters. Otherwise, it'll get crushed.
2: Yeah, so maybe the the Apple Watch is actually covered. Maybe they changed it with Series Three.
3: Probably because that was
1: well. Series Two is waterproof, isn't it? Yeah, I think Series Two is where they introduced the speaker spitting the water out. Ah, uh, that's very mold. cool. I, <laughs> I've just got a lowly Series Zero. I've never tried it. You gotta upgrade this year with the with the Series Four, then. Uh, yeah, I will. My Series 0 is going strong though. It's a little slow, but the battery still lasts all day.
2: So My gonna... Series 2 is unbearably slow. So I can't wait for it's... the series four.
1: Well, my series
3: three is going well.
2: <laughs> well it's chilled. It? It's the most recent one.
3: Yeah. But I don't I don't have um I don't have cellular on mine. And so when I released nano, someone told me that it worked over cellular. And so you know anyone that asked, I told them that, and it does. But with chirp, um, some people are telling me it does work. Some people have said it doesn't, and so it's really hard to give a definitive answer since I can't test it myself. But at the moment, it seems like people on the WatchOS five beta can't use LTE within my app, and I don't know if that's something I have to change or whether that's just a WatchOS five bug. But I don't know.
2: It's probably it's really a bug.
3: hard. It. It's hard for me to investigate. I hope it's not like a compatibility that I have to enable and
1: manage and stuff, because that'd just be quite annoying. Is there anything else we should talk about before we wrap up and
0: get to the picks?
2: I'm good.
0: Well, I've got nothing else. Really? For you, the listeners of the iFreak Show, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at lootcrate.com. Just enter the promo code Bridge Ten for 10% savings. Loot Crate is one of my favorite things. Every month I get a box in the mail, costs less than $20, and it comes with all kinds of goodies. I have stuff from just looking at my shelf, Batman, Spider-Man, Ninja Turtles, Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and much, much more. So if you're a geek, a gamer, anything like that, and you want cool stuff to put around your office, cool t-shirts, comic books, etc., then definitely check out Loot Crate. To save 10% on your new subscription, go to lootcrate.com slash Ruby. Again, that's lootcrate.com slash Ruby to save 10% on any new subscription. Enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Okay, Guy, do you have a pick for us?
2: Yes, I'm picking an app today. The app is actually not an app, it's a Safari extension. It's by our friend Jeff Johnson, and it's called Stop the Madness. And it's a Safari extension that uh, prevents websites from doing mad stuff like disabling autofill and autocompletes in forms, disabling right-clicking and some other things, dumb things that some websites do, like preventing you from selecting and copying pa- uh, text and stuff. So. Stop the Madness, is it's available in the app as Mac App Store. It's a really good app. I recommend it. That
3: actually sounds really cool. I hadn't heard of that. Thanks. I'm <laughs> going to go download
1: that right now because that kind of stuff does really annoy me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll second or third that pick. That's a good one. Uh, Will, do you have a pick for us?
3: I wasn't told I was supposed to have a pick. Well, hurry. Start. Oh, <laughs> Uh, okay, let me jump to the app store. So uh, you know,
1: actually, I'm yeah, gonna go to I, I, I can come back to you after my pick. Your pick does not have to be an app; it can just be anything that you think our listeners would like to hear about. So you can pick a restaurant, a travel destination, a book you've read, a movie you've seen, a blog post you've read recently—anything like that. I have a pick today, oh. though. Uh, my, I, I actually have t- I actually have two picks today. One is uh, another app by. Another friend, Daniel Jalkett, and it's called Fast scripts. Fast scripts is a little menu bar app that uh, runs on your Mac and really just does two things. It gives you it gives you a menu that you can um, th- that will show Apple scripts that you've got installed in in special folders on your on your disk, and then you can assign keyboard shortcuts to each glo- global keyboard shortcuts to each. Uh, Script. Well, I shouldn't say global. You can do global ones. You can also do app-specific shortcuts. So I use this to to basically extend the functionality of various apps uh, and, and make it so I can assign a keyboard shortcut to the new feature I add. I've been using it a lot lately in the iWork apps, specifically numbers, um, to give myself stuff that I wish was just built in, but it's not. Um, things like being able to quickly transform a whole range of cells, or to copy them out of uh, numbers in a certain format, or um, I've got a script to toggle the checkboxes, to toggle all the checkboxes in a selection in Numbers. Um, anyway, it's really if you if you like AppleScript at all, I think FastScripts is kind of a must-have thing, and I I find it really useful and powerful. My second pick is Field Notes. Probably a lot of people have already heard of Field Notes. I've known what they were for a long time, but if you haven't heard of them, they're notebooks—little notebooks that you can, you know, use to take notes and and write in. They're graph paper-lined, which I like, and you can subscribe to them. But I've never bought them before until now. They've got a—it's called Three Missions, and um, they're—you get three notebooks that are themed to the American space program. So there's a notebook for the Mercury program, uh, one for the Gemini program and one for the Apollo program. They're really well done, really nice looking, but they're just little notebooks. And the cool thing about these three is they actually come with little punch out, uh, folding paper models of the spacecraft that you can build. It's like $13 or something like that for the set. So I think they're really cool. Those are my picks. Uh, Will, did you, you you came up with a pick for us?
3: Yep. All right. Staying with the uh, Apple Watch theme, at least for my apps, I'm gonna. My pick is an app called Outcast, which you guys have probably heard of. And so, watchOS five is introducing native podcasts, but Outcast is an app made by another Adelaide developer. So it's cool that it's coming out of the same same city. And it is a podcast app for the Apple Watch. I've used it. I think it's great. I think it costs two ninety nine dollars Australian, so $1.99 in the US. It's recently added an update to support streaming, which no other Apple Watch app has done before. And their implementation of streaming is very creative. And while it has its own limitations, I think it's certainly impressive. And I've never seen an Apple Watch app do that before. They've got some other things in there that I haven't seen other apps do, like uh moving rows in a table manually and stuff like that, which I will be adding to Chirp soon. I'm adding a menu order customization. But yeah, so my pick is Outcast for Apple Watch. It's a podcast app. It's made by another Adelaide developer. He's actually the developer of another app called Streaks, which has won Apple Design Awards. So you know it's a a pretty good app.
2: There's something going on in Australia with all those Apple Watch apps.
3: I think it's just Adelaide, actually, because
1: <laughs> seems to be where, where all the good apps are coming out of. Very cool. All right, Will. Thanks for coming on and talking to us. If people Thank want to app. know more about you, how can they? How can they find you?
3: You can find me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Will R Bishop, and you can download my apps in the App Store. They're both free. You got Nano for Reddit and Chirp for Twitter. They're both App Watch apps for Twitter and Reddit, respectively. So you know, thank you guys for having me. It's been, it's been very fun. All right. Thanks.
0: Talk thanks. to you next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot to
2: learn more.